0: Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham, talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Thank you gentlemen announcer nice to be here financial excellence with game changers is our longest-running SAP game Changers show we are in season 11 and I'm delighted so let's start off very interesting topic today let me see if I can just give you the title of the topic if I can find it in my hundred pages of notes here cyber resilience and control automation for finance now the reason I put cyber resilience first is because I thought that would tickle our audience by the way we're speaking to you on the voice America Business Channel live streaming and we are also on LinkedIn live streaming our video today so there because cyber resilience is something that will part will kind of tickle different parts of your brain as you're listening so let me get started with a couple of buzz quotes as our regular viewers and listeners know I always do buzz number one I found on Gartner.com listen up CFOs often perceive cybersecurity to be the responsibility of IT Just let that sink in for a second. It probably resonates with a lot of you and my guests I'm seeing are nodding yes, they agree. But as more finance processes run remotely, CFOs need to develop security measures specifically for the finance function and not rely solely on the organization's blanket security protocols to safeguard financial data. And a practice VP at Gartner, his name is Alexander Band, he said CFOs should neither ignore these fresh vulnerabilities nor go it alone. Word to the wise. That's buzz number one. Buzz number two is from Deloitte uh, in an article in the Wall Street Journal. And here is the quote, finance leaders in the midst of leading or co-leading a broader transformation initiative, and they're talking about 42% of CFOs in the Deloitte CFO signal survey, for example, may want to make modernizing their security model part of that effort. Ah, transformation and a security model double the work but worth worth the effort. And buzz number three, CFOs and their teams are the gatekeepers for the critical data required to generate forecasts and support senior leaders' strategic plans and decisions at the top of the four areas of technology that show the most promise for use in finance, automation, and robotics to improve processes in finance. That's from a McKinsey.com article I read. So we give you a little more background before I have my three esteemed panelists introduce themselves. Organizations today, yes, we know, must find ways to thrive in our disruptive business environment. What's going on? Shifting geopolitical and financial landscapes. This is no breaking news for any of you. The momentum to digitize and automate. Yes, we've been talking about this. And our breaking news today, of course, is increasing cybersecurity threats. How can they do it? Companies are focusing more and more on internal controls over most business processes, as well as corporate resilience in both the finance and the cybersecurity domains. Cybersecurity attacks not only affect normal business operations, but add ambiguity to the reliability of your financial statements. And that's where the Office of Finance comes in. What do stakeholders want? They are under pressure from due diligence requirements to gain more reliable views of organizational risk. Resilience, accountability, and transparency. To ensure the quarterly and annual reports accurately reflect their financial status and bolster cybersecurity protection, they're increasingly automating and automating process controls as part of what I mentioned, the financial transformation. I'm going to call out the names of my three esteemed guests. I want you to just wave hello for LinkedIn, and then I'll have you introduce yourselves. First up, we have Dr. Neil Patrick at SAP. Hello, Neil. Nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. We have Mittelesh Kotwal at Protivity. Hello, Mittelesh. What a beautiful background you have. Oh my goodness. And a shout out to your colleague, Holly Irons, who's been working with us to get you on the show. And we have Tony Roby at YPRO. Hello, Tony, how are you? And we're going to ask them for their insights on the topic I mentioned at the top, cyber resilience and control automation for finance. This is so important. I'm going to venture a guest saying this to my three panelists, It doesn't just matter for finance professionals to listen to and watch this show. This is for everybody. Because if finance is in charge of those numbers, and we know, Neil, on this series over the past few years, we've talked about finance becomes the stewards of the business, not just Oh, let's look at an Excel spreadsheet from two years ago and see what we thought we were going to do and where our budgets fall. This is looking forward. This is real-time analytics. This is getting the numbers ahead of time and helping steer the business. So now we have to add the burden of control automation and also more cyber resilient. So there you go. That's my that's my opening piece. Neil Patrick, welcome, welcome, welcome. Would you please do me the honor, take you about three minutes in telling us who you are, what you do, and what's your passion for this topic? Neil, welcome.
2: Thank you, Donnie. Oh, sorry, Bonnie. Good Lord. That's a great I can start. Be, um, I
1: could be Donnie. That's okay. <laughs>
2: um, and, and hello to my fellow panelists. Um, so yeah, I work for SAP. Um, been with SAP for about seven and a half years now, I think. Um, my, my history has always been in 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 the last 15 or 16 years around GRC and cybersecurity, working for for software vendors so I worked for some of our competitors uh, working for SAP now as well um, and it, you know during that time I spent a lot of time doing um, discovery sessions with with the customers that we talk to um, understanding what their pain points are and really getting into um, how difficult this this landscape is and yet, being driven by the pressures of, of doing more with less, of, and now especially heading for digital transformation, um, and 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 they know that if they don't, their competitors probably are, and then they're losing step because others are just you know getting ahead. So, and I, and I really feel sorry for for our customers because this is these are difficult times, and, and these challenges are huge. So so that's kind of where my, my passion comes from. I think is trying to trying to make a difference. Um, for our customers using, in our case, smart technology, um, uh, but also, you know, implementation services and good advisory services, so this this is a bundle really, this is a package.
1: Thank you very much. And is this an added pressure, Neil, going back to some of the quotes I added about you can't just say to IT, go ahead, give us what we need, we'll be fine, that finance needs to step up more? What do you think?
2: Just yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and as you said in your intro, the, the role of the CFO has shifted significantly. I think over the last four or five years. Um, in, if you go back maybe ten or fifteen years, they were seen as almost like part of the geek club. They dealt with numbers and spreadsheets and Excel, and and they'd come and submit. You know, you know, are we are we um, solvent or not? It's kind of like we'd look at them. Whereas now, they really are seen as um, one of the main. Um, business advisors, uh, and nearly all aspects of the business roll up to the CFO one way or another. Um, And and even if you look at some of the modern things emerging like sustainability, the the cost of that to the business sits with the CFO. So they really are seen as one of the main um, functions to to steer the company in a, a financial way, but often also good business and sometimes ethical way. Um, so it's It's a much, much broader role than it was.
1: Thank you very much. That's what I wanted to get. Thank you, Neil. Let's move to our guest from Protivity. We have Middleesh Cotwell. So happy to have you here. I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Wave hello to your millions of fans around the world and to your colleague, Holly Irons, as well. I mentioned her before. She's watching on LinkedIn. I know that. So Middleesh, please introduce yourself. And what's your passion for our topic? Go ahead.
3: Yep. So, Methilesh Kotwal, I'm a managing director at Clotivity, which is your global consulting firm. Um, We are in over uh, 20 countries, 80 offices around the world, about 5,000 folks. So, um, not a boutique firm, um, getting there to being uh, the big boy firm. And for a little bit of a background on me, I've been in this space for almost close to two decades now. And I actually started out during the time when security used to be a back office function. It's like, you know, just give us what you want, what we need, and let us go on our way to do our jobs. And I'm pretty excited about this because it, I've seen the evolution of it to being more a strategic driver for the business. And as you're seeing uh, more cyber threats evolve in the landscape, you're seeing the business starting to take a more keen interest. and some of my customers are now starting to look at security as more like a strategic advantage. How do I differentiate myself in the marketplace from my competition Right? use cyber, my cyber tactics, how I secure your data, how I build trust with my customers as more of a shifting advantage for them in this marketplace. And it's, it's a fascinating time to be in this space. Because helping your customers do that and and build on that journey is, is what drives me right now.
1: That was very interesting what you said about, yes, about security and about it was something that was happening, s s e j someone else's job, right? And yeah. now it's not anymore. It sounds like finance is an interesting place to be. And, and I always wonder, I'm saying this to, to my whole panel, I always wonder if this is something you would say to a person in college, somebody who liked numbers. We used to call it about, ready, right, big a geek. I was a geek, a nerd. I was on the math team in middle school. We used to call it junior high school. Uh, is this, you would Want to go into finance? Why? Well, it's no longer just Excel. You're you're helping to lead the business. You're involved with cybersecurity. You're involved with projections. You're involved with the the security of the whole business. You're involved with expenses that tickle into every single part of the business and helping bring it all together. It sounds. Would you recommend this type of a of a role to anybody going through college who liked math? If I can say that, in middle What do you think?
3: Yeah. I mean, and, and it's 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 a role where you can actually make a difference now, right? Like not just make a difference from number crunching, but also seeing, you know, forward looking, how do I automate? How do I build in better controls as I'm transforming and help the company move forward, you know, gain advantage in the marketplace? That's what it's all about right now.
1: Yes, and you mentioned competitive advantage, and that was a surprise to me that I was trying to remember. Thank you very much. Tony Roby, you've been so patient with me. You're our third. You're just as equal with everybody, Tony. So happy to have you here. And I want you to please introduce yourself as the other panelists did, what's your passion for the topic, and tell us a little bit about your company. Tony, welcome.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Bonnie. appreciate you having me on today. my name is Tony Roby. I live in uh, the Northern Virginia area. I work with Wipro. I'm our head of Cyber GRC and Risk Quantification capabilities uh, for the Americas. So that's uh, everything in the governance, risk, and compliance uh, realm, uh, supporting our clients, uh, typically Fortune 500, Fortune 1,000 organizations, with some of their their biggest cyber and GRC uh, challenges. Uh, and you know, I I really enjoy this topic. Um, you know, and my career uh just because it's constantly changing constantly evolving there's always new risks always new regulations that organizations have to align with and uh you know helping our clients try to to solve those challenges by uh uh, streamlining automating uh you know i'm a big fan of, of finding ways to cut through sort of you know complex challenges and find simple solutions but also leveraging technology and the latest and greatest to to help solve them, uh, especially in, you know, today's world where in the cybersecurity space, you know, there's, uh, I'm not exactly sure what the statistic is, but there's very few people to fill every uh, cybersecurity job that's out there and available. And so trying to find ways to automate and streamline those is is a challenge that I really enjoy tackling.
1: Tony, I have to ask you an important question. I'm looking, and I, I apologize. Uh-oh. I called it Wipro. It's Wipro. I apologize. Wipro. Cyber. and Wipro. I'm looking Wipro. At your- I'm looking at your, your your logo here, your banner behind you. Uh, for those of you who are on LinkedIn, you can see what I'm seeing on Tony. Wipro, you say cybersecurity by cybersecurists. I have never seen, read or heard the word cybersecurists. Is that a word created by your company? I like it, but can you define it for us, please?
0: Absolutely. Uh it's it's a little bit of branding and and uh you know the thought is that um you know who better to do and consult on cybersecurity than the people who have their sleeves rolled up every day. And they're, you know, and it, you know, that they're hands on the keyboard actually solving the problems versus, you know, just your traditional consultant side of things who are, uh, you know, typically more strategy and advisory uh, consultant side of things. And Wipro, you know, really focuses on uh, the managed services and actually, you know, implementing and managing and using the tools. And so that's the that's the thought behind the service curious.
1: Thank you. I like it. Branding and creating a brand new part of our vocabulary. I think that's very, very clever. Thank you all for your passionate introductions. And this is the part of the show next where I have asked each of you to send me a quote from a fictional movie or TV character or a song lyric that has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And you're going to explain how in your own words, it does relate to our topic. So Dr. Neil Patrick has sent us a quote from the character's name is Christian Avasarala, played by Shora Lu and I'll tell you why I was thrilled to see this the the uh, let's see this is a sci-fi TV series called The Expanse season one and it was titled Dulcinea it originally aired on SYFY sci-fi in the US in 2015 it introduces a future where humanity has colonized the solar system with three characters across different parts of the system there's a detective Joe Miller assigned to search for a mil- missing girl in the asteroid belt Ooh, I I have never I've had a lot of belts to uh, Neil, but I've never had an asteroid belt. <laughs> I'm sorry, you knew I was going to say that. <coughs> Executive Officer Jim Holden of the spaceship Canterbury faces a moral dilemma as he re- responds to a distress signal in the outer realm near Saturn. Oh, I've never been there. And here's the one we're, we're talking about now the quote UN politician Christian Avar Sab- Sarala interrogates a potential terrorist who may have crucial information. Well, we all know how that works. So, what I wanted to say was this actress played a key role in day four of the TV series 24, which I am watching 15 years after it debuted with Kiefer Sutherland. And she was in day four and she played Dina Araz, whose husband and she were planning a major cyber attack on, well, I don't know if we called it cyber attack, a terrorist attack on the United States. So I, I loved her as an actress there. And then I found out she played this character. So here is, I'm getting to it, Neil. Here's the quote Neil has picked from this character in The Expanse, season one, Dulcineum. Quote, listen up, everybody. When people don't tell the truth, it always ends badly. Can I have an amen from everybody for that one? <laughs> go, go ahead, Neil. What in the world does this have to do with our topic? Go
2: ahead. Um, thanks, Bonnie, and, and- Sorry, small digression um, for for those of you sci-fi geeks, I, I can't recommend the Expanse higher. Um, it is on an epic scale. The graphics is incredible. Mm-hmm. The characters are wonderful um, and they develop incredibly. Um, and Christian in particular, um, so she plays this really tough, um, tough talking, but um, someone with a lot of humanity behind them, in, 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 in very difficult roles and very difficult roles and a lot of politics going on. Um, and so so the background f- for this quote or the relevance for, um, I think, for our story is, you know, there's this, this um, truism that you need to tell truth to power. So I suppose that's kind of what I was thinking of. Um, and that that's probably one of the key aspects, that, And it, but it has a number of ramifications. So if we look at the cybersecurity and the impact on, on finance, for example, um, and, and much as Tony was saying, so cyber events often end or start off in the weeds down in the business somewhere which almost seems unimportant because it seems so really small and geeky that really how can I make much difference to the business and yet these things ripple all the way up to um, enterprise level risks for the business and there is there is a tendency through all of those stepping stones to to maybe not be completely brutally honest with what's happening and what the consequences are and if you're not being heard to keep talking and knocking on that door because the, the you know the, the consequence for the business is is terrible so it's and and sometimes people are for whatever reason maybe they feel complicit in some way maybe it's a friend of theirs they see as doing something that's a bit strange a little bit lowering the security threshold in the business and and, and they don't do anything because it's a friendship or whatever um, and and that always ends badly and, and so just to, as an example something really simple like not maintaining um passwords or the right password level on um, a data system that could be a a backup data system on on some server somewhere, but a contractor has access to that. And that can create a backdoor for the business, which can then lead to a massive data breach and huge fines. So these things can expand very quickly.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. And I just got a note from Aaron Keller, our engineer, who says he absolutely loves the actress. He says she's amazing, and he loved The Expanse, and he remembers her in 24 as well. That's why we use fictional character quotes, because everybody has a reaction to them. Thank you, and it's very interesting. Thank you very much, Neil. Let's move on to Middle-ish cotwall of Protivity. You have sent me a quote. Oh, classic, classic, classic. Kevin McAllister played by when he was a very little boy, Macaulay Culkin, the movie, of course, Home Alone, Christmas Family, comedy film. I didn't realize it was a franchise, three Three theater films plus four made-for-TV shows. I didn't know there were that many. Uh, He's eight years old at the time. His five older brothers and sisters, Troy, met He says, I wish I didn't have a family. The family goes to France. They forget to take the little kid. And he says, well, I'm home alone now. And then all of a sudden, these uh, crazy wet bandits... Uh, Harry and Marv start to come into the house, and he creates the distraction that there's really somebody there, even though he's home alone at eight years old. And he creates booby traps, and then he helps the police catch them. And blah blah blah. There are also famous quotes from the mother saying, "I have to get home." But here's the quote: "This is wonderful, Middleash. This is my house. I have to defend it. I hope I did that." And I can't do a Macaulay yep. Culkin eight-year-old voice. If you want to try, that's up to you. How did you find this quote? And what does it have to do with our topic, Middleash? Go ahead.
3: Yep. Um, so, I, I'd not recommend following the parts of the movie where he practically burns the house down, right? But one of the things that that resonates with me with this quote and the topic at hand is, is really stakeholder involvement in this, right? Like, you have to treat it as that this is my house, I have to defend it, I have to do my homework. If you've Followed the movie, right? He does a brilliant job of doing his homework, knowing the landscape, knowing the house that he's defending, knowing what's where, right? He has limited resources at hand. He's an eight-year-old boy stopping the threat of bandits. So he's monitoring things. He's looking out for where they can get in from. He's setting traps in there. If you followed the movie, he's automating how he can take care of the house. He's put in control automation, if you look at it in securing his own house, he's defending it, he's monitoring it. And at the end of the day, he's taking down threat actors that are much more sophisticated than him by just using the tools that are at his disposal, right? So that's a, a way where I like to simplify this concept and, and put it in words that, you know, everyone's seen the whole movie Home Alone, and they've enjoyed it, it's a funny take on things, but you know, you can relate that to what enterprises need to do. Simplify the mm-hmm. job of security, simplify the job of automation, and how can you apply it by you know being more involved as stakeholders.
1: Thank you very much, and that fits so nicely in with some of the opening buzz quotes I had, middle-ash about you just yep. can't say, yeah, SEJ, I made that up, somebody else's job, right? There you yeah. go. I, maybe somebody remember me as the one who coined SEJ. I'm sure there were other ways to... It. Okay, Tony Roby. Thank you, Middle That was great. Tony Roby has sent as a quote from a movie I've never seen. The character is Patches O'Houlihan, played by, I believe, the late Rip Torn, very interesting, iconic actor, very powerful man. The movie is Dodgeball, a true underdog story, a 2004 American sports comedy film, something to do with a gym that was Average Joe's that was being taken over by a big company who wanted to turn it into a parking lot, and they have to raise money money and they go to some kind of a dodgeball championship and it's a it's kind of brutal i watched the clip it's 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 scary but here's the quote tony has picked from the movie if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball and that was that little that was yeah that that's the wrench he threw it at the kid's head tony brutal quote tell us what does this have to do with our brutal topic tony Roby.
0: Uh, such a great one. Kind of takes me back. Very nostalgic. Um, that's, that's one of the ones from back in college. Uh, I, it was just one of those movies that's so dumb. It's funny. Um, but I, uh, I picked that quote, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. It's kind of, it, it works on multiple levels in, in regards to cyber and resiliency. Uh, you know, one resiliency, if you can get hit by a wrench, you can definitely get hit by a ball. Um, but from a cyber resiliency perspective uh A lot of organizations, they they really need to continue to focus on resiliency and proper planning. And in the movie, uh, you know, he's helping the team get ready for this dodgeball championship. And so he says, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And he grabs a bag of wrenches and starts throwing them at them, um, essentially to prepare them. And so it kind of goes to... Proper preparing um, can can go a long way in resiliency with your organization. And so with, you know, cyber resilience, making sure that your organization has, um, you know, proper planning in place. You, you're going through all of the, the information that you need to go through. You've got your plans to be tested um, and you're not just, you know, writing them and putting them on a shelf you're actually testing your resiliency plans um, so that was that was kind of the the tie, tie in there between that dodging a wrench and and being prepared in in the cyber world as well
1: Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Middleish. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate the the effort and the energy you three put into sending really interesting quotes from very interesting characters and even more interesting movies. So thank you very much. That's, that's why it works so well to do it, to kind of back into the topic through these quotes. Now we're going to get to the very serious part of the show. This is where my guests have each sent me Four discussion statements. I'm going to pick one from each of you. We're going to go around the table. Neil Patrick, I've got one teed up for you. I'll read it in just a second. But how it's going to work for those who are new to the show is I'll ask Neil to take about three minutes. I'm not clocking you, but about three minutes and unpack it. Give us your point of view, your POV on it. And then, Esh, I need you to sit at the edge of your chair. Can I see you sitting at the edge of your chair? I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree with Neil and neil's in a really good mood today so he says it's okay and then tony my goodness gracious get to agree or disagree with both you have a lot to talk about and then neil I'll go back to you and ask you if you want to comment back to your two esteemed co-panelists then i will by that time have put a statement into middleish one of yours into the chat for you Next, round the table and then one for Tony and let's see how far we go. So a lot to talk about. Here's what Neil told me. Statement number one, <clears throat> excuse me, geopolitical change. We're not getting into politics, but geopolitical is a big term, is redefining the very core of financial security and stability. He says, we are in such turbulent waters affecting supply chain, trade embargoes, currencies, expanding regulatory remits, and interest groups with global voices. Yes. Neil, why don't you take us through this, please?
2: Thank you. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's clear to everyone we've got these huge geopolitical things that are changing the way we look at the world and, and how the world is, is um uh, responding, I think so. You know, we've got we've had the pandemic. We've we've got um, intercompany conflict, intercountry conflict. Sorry, um, um, and the consequences for for businesses. So we have these these trade embargoes, which which fluctuate frequently, um, and the consequences can be high. Um, that impacts um, currency exchanges. That impacts loans that organisations may have. Um, some. Country uh, responses to that could be to increase the amount of regulation. So, so the, the pressures on an organisation to somehow deal with this are also increasing. And it's, so it's not so much about um, what these changes are. It's the fact that they are happening, and that it it looks like the um, the unpredictability going forward is increasing for businesses. So, from an outside-in perspective, their um, their comfort level. As to what the stability level, the repeatability of how they run the business, is being challenged. Um, and you know, if, so generally speaking, if, and if you look at finance, for example, what you want is things to happen the same way all the time. Okay, the numbers change as you make more or make less, whatever, but your processes are more or less the same. Um, and and that's being challenged because you have to now find let's say new suppliers. Maybe because of because of a pandemic, these people don't exist anymore, or now they do. Um, but also, as Mitchellash was saying, maybe you're one of the suppliers that you have. All of a sudden, you discover that actually their cybersecurity practices are pretty poor, and there's a risk that maybe some of the data that you share could be uh, could be compromised. So you have to quickly pick another supplier. And the cons- and it, and you know suppliers are not neatly bundled around if you if you're in manufacturing let's say around the things that you need to produce if you take the supplier out and put a new one in it's not like for like and you have to do your due diligence so so the cost to the business of that exercise but also the cost to the business of the disruption to production of whatever the goods are during that process are significant and it's change now the you know another truism the only constant is change we now seem to be in that position and then, sorry, I'm, I'm almost there, and, and while you're going through these business changes, you frequently have to make decisions around security quickly without always having um, the, the, the cybersecurity uh, defenses that you would ideally like to have in place. And, and this is, this is uh, an added risk.
1: Thank you very much. Good description there. Good kickoff. middle cotwall of productivity. you're up. Agree or disagree with Dr. Patrick? Go ahead.
3: I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the, the threats that the, the companies are facing, right, are, are really changing with the, the environment that we are in. It's, it's coming in from multiple angles. There's so much change that they have to deal with. And as uh, call it finance professionals, as call it cybersecurists, as, as as Tony calls it, right? Um, you have to stay ahead of these changes and think through what's, what's coming at me. What can I automate? What can I take out of the equation? Neil mentioned like, you know, you have to change suppliers for certain things. Are there portions of that supply chain that you can automate to take the risk out of the business? And then um as my esteemed colleagues know right like sometimes you have to just deal with the unknowns right they are they are going to be thrown at you you have limited amount of facts at your disposal how can you make the best decision from there and then try to keep pivoting as the threats change and as you know more how can you continuously consume that information and a big part of it is that control automation because you can feed in your threats to it, you can consume that information and your reaction time actually improves with all that. And, and so, we are, yeah, actually I, I would say in a great time for cyber where we get to actually respond to it and, and get more information and how do we have a dynamic response to things.
1: See, Tony, he used that word in a sentence. You get two gold stars for that middle That was very well done. I compliment you on that. Tony, you're up. Agree or disagree with any or all of what your colleagues on the panel have already said. Go ahead, Tony.
0: Uh, absolutely. 100% agree on middle Yes, you, you did a great job. I think you used it like two or three times in there. That was, that was impressive. Um, yeah, no, 100% I agree. I, I think there's, um, you know, as, as the geopolitical landscape is changing, uh, you know, Neil hit it right on the head. Things are constantly evolving, especially from a regulatory perspective. And and as Middleash mentioned, uh, you know, having to automate and streamline those processes to keep up with that constant, ever-evolving, uh, changing regulatory requirements and, and compliance landscape. Um, but part of that is also having organizations try to transition to, not just a compliance based cybersecurity program, but focusing on the risk and and trying to ensure that they're mitigating the risk, not just checking the boxes from a compliance perspective. Because there could be areas of, you know, compliance or regulations that that they may be, you know missing or new risks that are coming at, whereas the regulations haven't quite caught up yet. And so, uh, yeah, 100%, no, I, I think that it, it is constantly changing and uh, you know, organizations are definitely having to stay on their toes to keep up with it.
1: Thank you very much. Neil, good conversation starter. Anything you want to say back to them?
2: Um, they're obviously really clever people. <laughs>
1: You're talking about the people who are creating the cybersecurity risks for <laughs> <or> the panelists because <laughs> well. that's the problem with cyber is that there are people who do it 24 hours a day from wherever and we're not even talking about base yeah. or garages anymore. We're talking about their being clever in their, their ways to attack and get through those security holes, right? So anything, now, anything you want to say back to the clever yeah. people on the panel?
2: Yeah, no, no, it is. But so, yeah, jokes aside, and and clever people both. Some of the panelists are. I, th- I think they're great. Um, they agreed with some of what I said. So, so that's all good. Um, but you know, what's what's quite scary is. Um, how easy it is now I think for for um, activists and cyber criminals to get hold of really smart tools um, to to do something so you, you can just be some kid in the garage and you can wreak mayhem across a business it's like you know cyber hacking DIY 101 it's it, the, the availability is quite scary I think
1: thank you very much okay good starter for that let's go to our next statement I'm looking at middle Wall statement number two if this is interesting I'll read it in the middle East. State- unpack it then we'll go to tony and then to neil so middleish told me the following before the show he said while it may seem like excessive overhead to take on control automation initiatives during a automation project here's the kicker having to circle back and retrofit any one of these areas afterwards would only cost the organization more time and money in the long run and depending on the severity of the issues potential loss in stakeholder confidence a lot to unpack. Lesh, go ahead.
3: Uh, a lot to unpack. I'll try to simplify it a little bit, right? Like So organizations, as we discussed, are going through major transformation. Major tra- transformation. Businesses are moving forward at breakneck pace, and, and they are transforming digitally. When you're doing these transformations, um, a lot of times control initiatives, people look at it as that's excess overhead, that's just additional work. Um, but finding a way to layer it in, build it in, has many strategic advantages as you do it that way. You have all the the change happening in the organization. You're aware of the different pieces of the puzzle that are changing. You're already preparing the organization for change. Building the controls in there when you actually have knowledgeable people as a part of the transformation is actually in a way easier because you know you built it into the process. It's not an... excess thing that you have to build on top of something when you do it after the transformation because it gets to be um, as bonnie you said right then it becomes someone else's job to build in that control so, so having to retrofit those areas afterwards you're going to, going to actually spend money afterwards to identify what changes you need to make and actually make those changes and if the threat actors who are moving much faster um, in these days, as, as Neil said, right, um, if they get to your data at that time, right, because you didn't choose to automate and build those as a part of your transformation, that's the, the loss of stakeholder confidence, right? Like your shareholders are watching you. And if they look at it and say, man, these guys just did not handle the security the right way. They transformed, they made so many changes, but they exposed my data. I'm losing customer trust at that point right? And so building that in and building it into the process actually provides you strategic advantage as you're building in transformation. And and in a way, I I like to equate it to the brakes of the car, right? If I know that the brakes of my car are really good, it actually allows me to take a little bit more risk and go faster because I know those brakes are in good condition to save me at that point. So. Thank
1: you very much. Talking about breaks, let's see what Tony Roby has to say. Tony, go ahead.
0: Now, it kind of reminds me of, um, or, or it makes me think about, you know, secure software development, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, making sure that you're including security all the way. And, you know, as organizations are trying to innovate and Trying to be forward thinking, look over the horizon, come up with new applications, new systems, new solutions to you know, offer their customers to solve their biggest challenges. Um, ensuring that security is kind of baked into those applications as you know, the software developers are creating uh, those programs, making sure that they've got you know automated testing to ensure that their, um, their software code is secure. Uh, all along the way. I think that it's it's really imperative to ensure that that's built in from the very beginning because, you know, if you spend a little bit of time and effort and, you know, some of your resources and money up front to ensure that that's all baked in, that saves, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on the back end where, uh, you know, you have to go and get that approval from the CFO to, you know, get that, um, uh, the budget to to then go in and, you know, completely rehaul the entire application to make sure that it's secure or fix any bugs or code issues so I, I agree hundred percent
1: thank you very much for a lot of agreement here let's go around to we got Neil join us what do you think
2: um thank you yeah so actually no I, I agree with my, my my colleagues as well and I, um, while they were both talking it, it also made me think I, I remember talking to a, a customer a while back and they were talking about their analogy for uh, for digital transformation was as if you're flying a, a large airplane with all of your employees inside, and while you're flying, you're busy rebuilding parts of the airplane. Um so you're rebuilding the wings and changing the, the control systems and whatnot. Um and it you know so it's, it's, it's gotta work. Um and I've also seen, I can't remember the figures exactly, but I think that the, the cost of retrofitting a control um, after you've discovered the vulnerability is something like three to four times higher than the cost of doing it at the start. So this this whole thing around preventative um, controls, preventative maintenance is really important. Um, and but the on 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 the plus side, so rather than um, looking at the the cost of business, and and cybersecurity and and GRC in general is often seen as something that is is a cost to the business, whereas in actual fact. Um, if it's used properly, it is really is, is a value add. <clears throat> so one of the other figures, and again, I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact number, but um, there's a study and it was, I, I think it was from one of the, um, one, uh, an analyst firm, I think, in the US. It's, it has been clearly demonstrated, I think, over the last five or so years, <clears throat> that organizations that have a strong internal control framework operating throughout the business repeatedly perform better than those that don't. So, you know, for your CFO, for, for the success of the business to run, these internal control frameworks are are really, really important. So, it, you know, it, it helps you with things like trust. And um, if you're looking at IPOs and M&As and all these sorts of things, this gives you more confidence to go out to the business, out to the marketplace and say, look, we're good at our job. And here's the evidence that we are good at our job. Um, and then also, you know, underlying the, the automation part. And... You don't always know what to automate, but start somewhere, you know, just do something, see how it is and learn from that. And the, and the really cool stuff about automation, as opposed to, let's say, um, a manual sampling is you can test everything and a machine does it. You're not paying somebody's wage to do that. So you can push it out to the four corners of your business and get data back and then respond to that. And that's, that's really powerful.
1: Thank you very much, Middleesh. This was your conversation starter. Would you want to comment back to your panelists, co-panelists?
2: I'd
3: i I'd, I'd say just thank you for for adding the statements. I think I think it really helps um, the the topic when you think about it. That you know how do you uh, build and change from the start in in this area. And um, as Neil said, I, I'll just add one more point to it, right? Like when we're thinking of a uh, strategic advantage to the business, companies often evaluate not just how their security posture is, but all the third parties that they work with, right? So there's a concept of third party risk management. Any suppliers I'm working with, they are evaluating the risk. And one of the big factors in evaluating that risk is how do they operate security? How do they have controls within their business? And Is doing a business with a supplier going to pose a risk to my organization? And sometimes in there, the companies have a tendency to lose business because they didn't have sufficient security controls in place. So use security as a strategic advantage, build it in upfront, and that way you can focus on the future and not just on securing the past.
1: Thank you very much. Let's go to, I appreciate that, Middle East. Let's go to Tony Roby. Tony, we are back to your statement number two. This is something Tony specifically wanted to talk about. He says, organizations are still struggling to assess their cyber risk in meaningful ways. Risk quantification is changing that by providing data-driven insights, which we love to talk about here, into their risk posture, allowing cyber leadership. I wanna know, who, what is cyber leadership to determine where to best allocate their resources? Is there a, a Chief cyber security Officer, CCSO? Tony, who is this so, cyber leader? Go ahead.
0: So close, Bonnie, so close. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's the CSO, Chief Security Officer, the CISO, Chief Information Security Officer, uh, there's even CROs, Chief Risk Officers, um, but all, all of them care about quantifying their risk. Um, organizations have, have traditionally been sort of plagued with, uh, you know, folks' uh, leadership showing up to a, a board meeting or or their, you know, senior and mid-level managers showing up and saying, uh, you know, our risk is medium this month or or it's high. and you can't really do much with that. Uh, so being able to, to take sort of the high, medium, low, the traditional risk matrix of old and being able to quantify it based on specific scenarios. Um, there's folks that have, have come up with a, a lot of great frameworks and, and methodologies lately, such as the FAIR framework um, or you know, cyber bar value at risk. Um, and, and those frameworks allow organizations to be able to take very specific cybersecurity scenarios and quantify them into actual dollar values. And if you can take those specific dollar values and be able to determine which one is going to, going to cause us the potential most risk or the, the greatest loss, then we can determine, okay, we need to allocate more budget. We can get that from our CFO to go and mitigate this risk um, and allocate those priorities uh, to those top risks.
1: Thank you very much. Let's go around the table and see what your co-panelists have to say. Neil Patrick, you're sitting next to Tony on this round. Go ahead.
2: Um, no, no, yeah, I agree. Um, and so picking up on on some of the, the threads, I, when when an organisation um, employs some sort of cybersecurity project, when they implement something, um, so what I've seen um, after the event, or after the, the you know, it goes through a selection process. That they define as a problem. They select a vendor. There's an implementation, um, and then my my cynical observation sometimes is. And not pointing at any particular company, but you know, the, the management team think, oh, tick, job done. I don't have to worry about that anymore. We've done that thing. We've done the cybersecurity project. And and I think it was Tony was saying, this is this is an ongoing process. It continually evolves. Uh, and so the quantification of risk is is a great example of why that's really important. So the resources that you have available, whether it's financial or human resources, this quarter is, is X. What are your, from a board perspective, what are your top risks? What are your, what is your, um, your threshold around these risks? What's your risk appetite? And where do I allocate my resources based on the risk that's being told to me, by the, the quantification of the cyber risk? Fine. Next quarter, it'll be different, and the quarter after that, it's different, and again and again. And remember, these these outside-in factors that are driving this this high volatility, high volume of change are changing as well businesses have to remain on their toes. And so the, so the automation and, and the quantification of cyber risk, for example, is a really important tool in helping them to, to stay abreast, ideally on top of these challenges.
1: comments, thoughts? Go ahead.
3: Yep. So so I I definitely say, I I, I agree with the the panelists. And um, I'd say it's it's almost like a a second level of maturity that uh, organizations need to start working towards, right? The first level of maturity is just knowing your risk and being having a way to assess your risk. And then um, as as Tony mentioned, where it helps uh, your cyber leadership Um, actually assess and provide meaningful information to the board and be a true partner to them is how do you quantify it in financial risk terms, right? Long back when I started working in this field, um, you used to use more of call it common sense rules to quantify things to the board and saying, you know, hey, the risk of this is high. The likelihood of it is high. You're looking at it from a probability perspective, but you aren't looking at it necessarily Or even if the likelihood is high, what's the financial impact to the organization? And in this day and age where you are really strapped for resources all around, where do you focus most of your energy is through the quantification and, and trying to look at um, where are my biggest threats? What is going to have the biggest impact to the organization? And in some cases, justify the headcount. If I put in two more people at this location and to manage this risk, is this going to give me an advantage? Because right now, if I don't do that, the cost of hiring those two people was 300K, but the cost to the organization, if the risk hits, is $5 million, right? It helps your finance leadership also make those changes in investment, where do they focus their resources?
1: Thank you much. Thank you very much, Middleash Tony. This was your topic. What do you think?
0: Well said, all around. Um, Middleash's point of uh, sort of the the crawl, walk, run methodology, and and just initially understanding where your risk is 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 you know hands down one of the most important aspects. You can't can't quantify if you don't know what you're quantifying, and so uh, you know it's it's definitely important to start from that point of view and and uh, you know move on and and enhance your programs from there, and kind of. Take that sort of crawl, walk, run approach to to risk management.
1: Thank you very much. We have time for one more topic. Can everybody hear me okay? I've been having a little issue with my gain here, so I think I'm okay now. Uh, I'm going back to Dr. Neil Patrick. Let's look at statement number four. And I think this is a good way to wrap it up. We have oh, about six minutes left, so let's make this short. Neil says resilience is a great topic, but bear in mind. Control is really an illusion. I'm, I'm making the visual for illusion there, Neil. I hope you like that. Species that survive adapt. They exhibit antifragility. There's another word to use in vocabulary this week. Neil, take about 90 seconds on this one, and we'll quickly go around the table and see what the others have to say. Go ahead.
2: Sure, thank you. So, so I'll bring in um, one of my other sci-fi heroes, which is Asimov. So he wrote the Foundation series. And one of the main characters there, he said... Um, to succeed, planning alone is insufficient. One must improvise as well. So sure, build your blueprints, build your designs, have your cybersecurity framework, have an idea what you're doing, build your disaster recovery pr- programs, test them, all those good things. But remember, life will change. You have to then think ahead. Well, what, what can go wrong? So maybe do some scenario analysis um, Push the buttons, push the boundaries, and see where my vulnerabilities are. So test my assumptions. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is um, if you make an assumption about something, <laughs> assume it's going to stay that way, it will go beyond the boundaries of that assumption. So that that's really important. And that and the term antifragility. So so Nassim Taleb, he wrote, you know, he's famous for writing the book around um, Black Swans. He also wrote a book um, around antifragility, um, and it's actually it's a very interesting read. Um, it's it's, it's what we're actually talking about, how to build some sort of redundancy and ability to respond gracefully to challenges.
1: Respond gracefully to challenges. Such is life, if only. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> yep. If only, let's quickly go In my around. my dreams, yeah. Let's go around the table. Middle Ash, what do you have to say about resilience and anti-fragility? Is it an illusion? Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I'd agree that control, you know, is really an illusion. Just because, I mean, controls addressing a risk, right? And the risks are not static. And so, the moment you start feeling that you're in control, that's where you tend to slip up, right? So you need to have dynamic plans to continuously assess the risk and to build it into the controls as you automate them. How are you going to assess the risk? How? What's your plan to? to control that risk and mitigate that risk and um, keep the organization secure. So it's always going to be a dynamic concept for organizations and keep looking, keep be vigilant is all I would say.
1: Be vigilant indeed. And that I think is what makes it exciting. Isn't it gentlemen? Mm -hmm. It makes it exciting that it's always a moving target. Tony, what do you think? Let's wrap this up two minutes for you. Go ahead.
0: I think that's great. A great point. And, you know, I think it kind of comes to having almost having zero expectations, right? Planning, planning accordingly. It almost sounds like parenthood, right? If, if, and if you have children, I've got three young ones on my own. And, you know, the advice that I always give to, to new parents is have zero expectations. When it works out, um, you know, Awesome, but be prepared to get spit up one before you go out to that fancy dinner. And I think that kind of ties back to our topic here of, you know, plan accordingly, have your resilience plans in place, test them, put those controls in place, be thorough with it, test them start to finish, um, and make sure that no stone is left uncovered so that you can be prepared, but also be forward looking and, you know, expect the unexpected
1: makes me think of the old childhood rhyme or the saying, good, better, best, never let it rest until the good is better and the better is best. And there will, and that's the mantra I think for the people who were making the cyber attacks. They're saying, oh, that one was pretty good. I only brought down 10 companies, 15 hospitals and 14 governments, but let's see if we can make it better next time. So they are trying and you have to try too. We have enough time for me to do a quick crystal ball predictions round. We didn't prepare for this, but I think you're all ready for it i can tell neil patrick your first 30 seconds that's about all we have for each of you if we met again let's say one year from today so that would be april 19th 2023 okay would we still be talking about the need for cyber resilience would we still be talking about the need for control automation Would we still be talking about the need for anti-fragility and the illusion of resilience neil yes or no and 30 seconds
2: go okay Two things. So I think um, shifting to the cloud will make a massive difference in the nature of the conversation because we can roll out um, patches and fixes immediately and they can be distributed out to the entire users of the software. So that I think is going to be a significant change. The other thing that's gonna, I think change a lot is the use of AI. Um, so both in terms of developing what these automations need to be or, or actually being the um, the executors of of this automation and the immediate flip side is they are then in themselves a vulnerability and will be targeted. So the conversation I think could shift around, well, how good is my AI and how good are my robots to check that my AI hasn't been hacked. So the sophistication of our conversation will shift up two or three levels.
1: Thank you, 30 seconds. Middle-esque, yes or no, what do you think?
3: Yes, I mean, I think that the biggest change that is going to come in this is is is, is AI and, and building in data into this this model of how you assess risk and how organizations look at controls and say, you know, I, I just need to get more sophisticated because the hackers are keep getting sophisticated. So I need to elevate my tools. I need to find the right balance of backing it up with the rules within the organization. And, um, Keep moving forward as I take the organization forward.
1: Thank you, Tony. You get the last word. Thirty seconds. That's it. You
3: absolutely. I, I think in a year
0: from now, we're still going to be talking about cyber resiliency. We're still going to be talking about controls. Um, I, I feel that you know, as as the the talent gap continues to increase, I think we're still going to be pushing for a need um, for automation. And I think uh, you know, as Neil had mentioned, you know. AI, um, machine learning, uh, robotic process automation, I think those are all gonna you know, continue to evolve and become a big player in the space.
1: Thank you very much. Gentlemen, I appreciate all of you. Dr. Neil Patrick, wonderful to work with you. Thank you for putting this together, Neil. You did a great job. Middle-ish, Kotwal, Protivity, thank you so much. And a shout out again to Holly Irons, who works with you for being there for us. And Tony Roby at Wipro. I can finally pronounce your company correctly. And thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer. And thank you to Pross Chatterjee, the main. And Chris Grundy is still helping out the main sponsors of this series. Neil, we have to book this topic for next year. And I want you to tell Press we have to renew for season 12. I'm ready to renew already. So here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today just like Dr. Neil Patrick, just like Middle-esque and just like Tony Roby. Bonnie D signing off. Have a great day, everyone. Go out and be a game changer. That's where it's at. Everybody wave goodbye. Don't go away, panelists. We're going to debrief. Bye-bye.
2: Thanks
0: again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.